Welcome to the Intuitively You podcast, where we chat all things intuitive eating, body image, finding peace with food, and so much more. I'm your host, Jen Baswick, intuitive eating dietitian and embodiment coach, and I'm your guide along your journey to food freedom so that you can improve your relationship with food and your body to no longer hold you back from living your best, most fulfilling life. We'll be chatting about all the real talk, the tips and tricks, the struggles, and most importantly, how you, yes you, can finally find peace with food and your body. After each episode, I'll be sure to wrap it up with some takeaways for you to implement in your life, so make sure to stick around until the end. Now, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is a wonderful one. I mean, of course, I probably feel that way about all the episodes here on Intuitively You, but our guest today, Jess Fry, is chatting with me about body image and really the topic of how to cultivate a positive body image, and especially timely for right now as we are in the midst of summertime. But this doesn't all apply to just summertime. These things that we talk about, all of the conversations and the tips that Jess gives are applicable to beyond summertime, all year round body image, wonderful stuff. So let me introduce our guest and tell you a little bit more about her. And when we dive into the episode, you'll hear more too. But Jess Fry is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Pennsylvania. She's a certified intuitive eating counselor and a body image coach. She became passionate about helping women heal their relationships with food and improve their body image after doing the work herself. She spent almost two decades of her life chronically dieting in an attempt to shrink her own body. Since discovering confidence and acceptance in her plus-sized body, Jess utilizes the very tools that helped her and empowers women to recognize their worth at every size so they can confidently approach life with unapologetic authenticity. How aligned does this sound to everything that we chat about here on Intuitively You? I am so excited to share these words, this message, this conversation with you, with Jess. It is even um, more uh, aligned in the sense that, you know, my group coaching program is called Embodied Food Freedom and her uh, business, she's now like called it and kind of rebranded towards Embody Confidence Coaching. So, super cool. We're all into the embodiment, living your authenticity and not letting the food and body struggles hold you back anymore. So in this episode, you're going to hear more about Jess, what she does, um, what a not so great body image is, what makes summer especially hard for body image, and then shifting towards what is a positive body image and how the heck do we embrace that. (laughs) And Jess gives some wonderful actionable tips that you can apply to your life right now and get working towards a more positive body image for yourself. So Without further ado, let's dive into the episode. All 
Okay. We are here in this episode with Jess Fry, and I am so excited to have her here on the podcast to chat with y'all about making or cultivating a positive body image in the summertime and just always. (laughs) So these things that we'll talk about, I'm sure are going to be such great tangible takeaways and thoughts and mindset shifts and whatever comes of this. Um, I know Jess has a wealth of knowledge. So welcome to the podcast, Jess. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I've been waiting for this. Yeah, I know. This has been in the works for a little bit now and I'm just, yeah, so excited to be chatting and have this come to fruition. And I just know this is going to help so many people. So yay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess first to kick us off, as per usual, we do with guests that come on the show, just so no everyone knows who's talking and who, and who we're talking to, and you know what they're all about. So I would love for you just to give us a little intro, tell us a little about you and what it is that you do. So I feel like I do a lot of things, but mainly career-wise. As a therapist, I'm in the state of Pennsylvania. I work primarily with neurodivergent women. So women who have ADHD, think they have ADHD and autism, or they think they have autism. I help them navigate what it means to live in a world that's built for neurotypical people. And then a lot of times, if not all the time, body image and disordered eating come into play. It's so much more present with that population. So it's really just a perfect niche. Um, And then as a coach, I empower women, neurodivergent or not, uh, in improving their relationships with their bodies, in prioritizing self-love and self-care, and then ultimately becoming friends with the bodies that have gotten them through life rather than being enemies. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. Um, What got me here, because people always ask like, wow, you must have been, you know, what was your journey? How did you get to that niche? And it's very much uh, life just got me to this point where like, I struggled with body image and eating from age 10 to 28, which is such a long period of time, especially for someone young. And it was in 2018, I was working with a young client as a therapist, and she was bringing up all these body image concerns. And even though I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in counseling, body image and disordered eating was never something I was trained in, which terrifies me because it's so prevalent. And so I had to do some deep dive research into how the heck to help this person. And in assessing her more further, like through the process of like, okay, what are these body image thoughts coming up? I recognized for myself that I was scoring really high on those assessments too. And so I started my own journey of healing and then one thing led to another and now it's my whole passion in my career. Wow. That's a really cool story that this client of yours was like a mirror for you to see what was going on in your own life. Oh, I yeah. like that question. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like kind of reflecting back to you, like what, mm-hmm. how much you resonate with what they were sharing and 
what a wonderful way to kind of propel you into your own journey of that, like body image healing piece, um, around body and food and, and all that, those relationships. Cause they're also so important. And I love that you touched on even in, you know, all the education you've done to become a therapist counselor, this stuff wasn't really talked about. And I would say the same in dietetics, which is even more, you know, alarming too. Cause like, we're like specializing in food and we don't really cover that that much. Sure. It's eating disorders are like touched on, but you're not really well equipped to help people through those struggles unless you seek out further, you know, training and things and education on that outside of just, you know, getting the education and the credentials <laughs> to do this type of thing. So it's interesting that you shared that that's, you know, similar in your field too. Mm-hmm. Which is terrifying. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. I really hope that things will turn around <laughs> and be, you know, brought in a little bit more, but yeah, I'm just so glad that there are folks out there like you that recognizes how much this is needed and helps folks in in this area too with body image. So it's amazing that you could turn your journey into the the path that you love to help people with too. I think that's what makes it so much more of a passion too, where it is so it comes so close to home for me that, you know, it makes me want to help people even more. So yeah. Totally. And I, I feel that I feel that too. It's, it's so, um, yeah, I think the word is passionate. Like the, the passion comes from like, be like being there, do it, done that almost like something similar. Everyone has their own experience, but like, you know, how much these things feel and like the struggles of it and not wanting everyone to experience that and get through it and come to the other side. So, yeah. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that today in terms of body image. So I am again, so excited to dive in, but to set the tone even a little bit more since we're talking about body image, right? Maybe we can define, I don't know if define is the right word, but talk about what it would be like if someone had a not so great body image, how would they even know that that's the case? Like you were saying, like you didn't even really recognize that in yourself until you further like looked into this and then saw that mirror and that client and all that good stuff. But what would that experience be like if someone was in the place of, you know, having a not so great body image, how would they know? Yeah, this is such an important piece to it because like in my own journey, a lot of these behaviors and thought processes and belief systems are so normalized in our society that until it's pointed out for us that like, oh, actually that's not normal. That's not a healthy thing to think or do. We have no idea. Mm -hmm. So some of the most common ones that I've experienced and the clients that I've worked with experience are, um, like a constant comparison to the bodies of people around you. So I know this comes up with the topic of summer a lot of times when we're at the beach. And so this constant thought of like, what are people going to think of me if I'm wearing this and how many people are going to be staring at me and sitting and uh, rather than like hanging out with friends or being present with loved ones and playing and splashing in the water sitting in a towel and people watching and, and doing this like nitpicky comparison of what other bodies look like around yours. Um, that's a really big one. Uh, struggling with looking in the mirror either too frequently, 
where it's kind of this obsession, even if it feels like a normal part of your routine, kind of nitpicking again at like details of body parts, or it could also be the total opposite of avoiding a mirror at all costs because looking in the mirror is too triggering. So kind of getting a feel for like, where, what, what's your relationship with a mirror um, is a, a good sign, a good telltale sign. Um, some other things can revolve around kind of fantasizing or daydreaming about being in a different body. I know that this one for me was something that I had no idea until it was pointed out that that was abnormal. I would plan things out in my head as a normal anxious person might. And I didn't even recognize for myself that I was picturing my image in my head as a smaller body, like my, my literal daydream or fantasy and trying to prepare and plan through upcoming interactions was literally picturing myself as this version of me that I was trying to attain. And so then seeing myself in a mirror in real time, in real life, that was kind of shocking because it didn't match what I had placed. Yeah. In- wow. That's an interesting one. Yeah. And I don't think that one's talked about at all. Oh. Cause there's so much shame wrapped around like even daydreaming or like there's maladaptive daydreaming in and of itself. And there's so much shame around getting lost in our thoughts. Um, but yeah, it can be really frequent for a lot of people and then kind of add to this disproportional idea of what we look like in real life. Um, I think some other ones that I've recognized a lot is uh, this, I don't want to keep saying obsession, but like feeling uh, obligated to like get all dolled up, just leave the house. So I can remember um, like being really jealous of my husband who, if we were just, you know, hanging around the house and he said, oh, hey, I want to run this errand or do you want to go grab dinner? He could just put his shoes on and go. And I felt this obligation to like change what I was wearing and do something with my hair and put makeup on and and try on all these different outfits until I felt ready to literally walk out into the world. Um, so things like that, just this like all consuming thoughts about what you look like and what your body is and does are some good signs. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah, those are so many ones that I would imagine would be, you know, the bigger things that stand out in terms of a not so great body image, but I'm still like, I, I, I haven't thought of that like mismatch between potentially what you're envisioning in like your mind, like that one that you shared versus what you're seeing in the mirror. And I'm imagining that's maybe where not always, right. Never want to talk about always, but maybe some like where body dysmorphia comes in, right? Like if it's not matching what, what our thought of that would be, right. It's a lot about perception. Yes. Yeah. 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 Thank you for explaining all that. Cause I feel like it, like you said, it's not talked about (laughs) enough. Like this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. And I think when we think about diet culture too, that, Mm -hmm. like you said, I don't want to, don't want to say obsession all the time, but that obsession with how we look and how our bodies look becomes very normalized. 
because it's also the messaging that we receive all the time. And it's the ways in which the people around us think and feel too. So mm-hmm. when, when no one's pointing it out as maybe, maybe we don't have to think that way. It just becomes so ingrained as a completely okay thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't realize how much it's like negatively impacting our quality of life really. And every aspect of our lives too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause we're with our body all the time. <laughs> Literally, you're not, you're not getting away from that. Like that's your vessel that you're living in. <laughs> we're, you're there with it every day, day in, day out. So yeah, yeah, it does. It very much can impact, you know, every aspect of life, mm-hmm. which is why it's so important to have these conversations. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for, you know, sharing what the maybe not so great body image looks like kind of Mm -hmm. to build upon that since we're, you know, it's summertime, we're right in the midst of summer right now. And I think a lot of these body image struggles get a little heightened in the summertime because there is an aspect of, you know, it's warmer, maybe wearing less clothes, not covering up so much the aspect like you were sharing, like maybe going to the pool or the beach and wearing a swimsuit and that feeling very um, revealing or whatever the feeling is there. So I'm curious to kind of build on that. What would make in your eyes as someone who's like in this body image world, the summertime, especially hard in terms of these body image struggles. Like what is it about summer that really makes that tricky? Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head as one of the top reasons is quite literally our bodies are more exposed and kind of that whole exposure piece and, and your relationship with the mirror, when you come off of winter and your uh, relationship with looking at yourself in whatever regard, every time you catch yourself in the mirror, you catch a glimpse of your reflection, you're seeing yourself for months and months and months covered up. So you're not seeing those parts of your body. And then all of a sudden, I don't know about where you're from, but all of a sudden we skip right to summer. I feel like we don't even have spring anymore. So there isn't even this gradual okay, we're, we're wearing a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. It's, we go from like long sleeves and long pants to shorts and tank tops, because that's, what's comfortable to literally just get through the heat. So I, I think for a lot of people, it's the sudden exposure back to what their bodies look like that after months and months they had forgotten. And then you know, companies and uh, corporations love to make money off of our insecurities. So they do everything and anything to remind us wrongfully that we are, for whatever reason, supposed to change our appearance to almost in this way of like, to be worthy enough to even experience the season. So we're not only being bombarded with this like new appearance of like, oh, who is she? I didn't, I didn't even remember I had those arms or I didn't even remember that's what my legs looked like. And I know that that's a little drastic, but especially if you experience any kind of shame or anxiety around your body in general, that it is shocking to add to that. Then you're also getting this messaging and negative 
reminders about quote unquote, getting a summer body and changing your appearance to just fit in or to not be criticized or ridiculed. And I mean, we're having this conversation at the end of June and how many times have you heard the term summer body so far? So like, many. <laughs> countless. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So it's heightened around us throughout society. And of course, that's something like your own body. When you're living with your own body forever, you also can't escape the environment that you're in. So I think it's kind of just megaphoned for us during this season. And that's why it feels so much harder. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Not only the like aspect of maybe having your body shown a little bit more to both yourself and that fear of others seeing it in that more exposed light too, with like less clothing or whatever that might look like, um, maybe more events, right. That too, just like that, like being out in the world, we're like hibernating in the the winter, (laughs) more weddings and there's graduations and there are more uh, reunions and family Mm -hmm. reunions and vacations. And we're just existing outside more frequently. And so with those events come more photos Mm. and we haven't seen since maybe last year and our bodies can change from year to year, or we haven't seen since we were covered up in a hoodie. And so there's then that action, that extra perception of like, what are, what are these people going to think of? If I am shocked by my own appearance, what are they going to think? So yeah, that's absolutely a whole nother part to it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, you know, just a talking with a client about this whole thing about going to a graduation and having their photo taken and it feeling like this whole, like, oh my gosh, that's what I look like. And then immediately went to like, oh, if I, if I look like them, everyone else must be looking at me and thinking, you know, that I'm looking horrible in all these ways. Right. It's almost like there's just so many facets to the summertime (laughs) and these pieces of, I I like how you described it, like coming off of winter and into summer, like almost having that shock of like, oh, that's what my body is like. And I think that comes with clothing too. Like the, I mean, the clothes don't fit the same they did last summer. And like the photos don't look the same. You see the mirror doesn't look the same. And then that fear of judgment and then diet culture laid on top of all of that, <laughs> just like focusing on change your body for summer. It's a lot, right? When you Perfect summer storm. Oh yeah, literally. <laughs> I know when we just lay it out like that. Yeah, no wonder it feels so hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that like is important to people listening to like, it's not something wrong with you. Like l- listen to all the things that we just named off as very common experiences for a lot of folks. It's not your flaw, right? It's just like all these things that are making it feel hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really good to like shed light on that. And uh, talk about it. And with with that, maybe like we talked about how the struggles feel, what it feels like when things are hard in the summertime, what would be the flip side? So what what would this look like if we kind of turned it around, turned it on its head and um, we're looking at like someone who embodies a, a positive body image? 
what is that like? And maybe this might be foreign to some folks too, who knows? But yeah, if you could kind of paint the picture of what a, a positive body image might look like, that would be awesome. I would love to. <laughs> Yeah, use the phrase with a lot of my clients to take appearance out of the equation. So um, something that I teach is having realistic expectations with what this whole journey might look like. And so a lot of people, when they think about the list I'm about to share, they they assume it means being able to look in a mirror and think, damn, I look snatched. <laughs> I look amazing. Look at me. I'm on top of the world. And it's so far from that. You could have days like that. Sure. The same way in which you can have days where you look in the mirror and think, oh my God, I look awful because you're still a human and you're still going to experience tough body image days. But what's different actually is that you're able to look in the mirror and not have any kind of an opinion about your appearance. It stops becoming about your appearance. It's more about, am I wearing clothes? Am I checking off the box, like covering up the things that societally we have coined as things that need to be <laughs> hidden? Yep. Check the box. <laughs> Do I like what I have on? Do I like the style of it? Do I, are all my buttons buttoned? Is my zipper zipped? Great. And out I go. It becomes less about appearance. So I think the, the list, while it is foreign, I think it's also kind of foreign for people who even are on this journey with the expectation of, oh, I am going to get to that place where I think that I am hot shit all the time. So it is not about appearance. It's about being able to love and respect yourself unconditionally, um, regardless of what you look like, because that no longer is the value. That no longer is the priority. It's treating your body with love and care and respect and compassion because it your body deserves that. Not because you need to look a certain way or you need to fit a certain standard just simply because you exist. It's showing up in the world and being present with the people that you love, the people that you're there to see without being distracted by or consumed by these thoughts about appearance. <clears throat> I think something that I kind of didn't expect to happen on this journey for myself was how much better of a person I've become because of how I've been able to shift what truly matters for me. So I think it's pretty common when people will say like, don't worry about uh, what you look like because other people don't really care. They're consumed with their own thoughts. And to an extent that is true. But if you've been in a place where your body image is constantly on your mind it's not necessarily true because I can remember a time where I was thinking about what other people looked like. My insecurities were projected onto other people. So if I was struggling with, let's say, the size of my stomach on one day, I would subconsciously start looking at and comparing other people's stomachs. And so when we tell people, don't worry about it, other people aren't thinking about that. They might be because they're also struggling in that area. And so the shift that was really pivotal for me and recognizing that I like really started to heal was that I was able to be present with other people and not even care about what they looked like. I, that just didn't even come to mind anymore. And that is such a gift in and of itself because we have so much more space up here to 
think and and have conversations and focus on the things that actually matter in life and that was one of, that's been one of the biggest gifts and the biggest um examples for me of what it looks like to be at this point hmm. yeah and that's wonderful <laughs> it's so honestly like just even listening to that like just so life changing to have that shift occur yeah. and i think like a lot of that what you shared is getting away from that obsession and stressing and thinking about it all the time. It's very similar in in the way that I talk about food too, and that taking up our brain space, Mm -hmm. right? Always, you know, being stressed about what those decisions, things, and what you're doing is going to be. Same thing here with body image are very similar in terms of it taking up a lot of that brain space when we're constantly thinking about it and constantly like, I love how you said that, like projecting our thoughts and beliefs and fears and all those things onto others around us. And it's, yeah, it's like a, like a feedback loop in itself. Yeah. 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 It's like a dangerous spiral too. And, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean you're a bad person. I think I, for a little while, once I recognized that I kind of beat myself up for it of like, oh my gosh, Jess, not only (laughs) are you like being horrible to yourself and you're saying these terrible things about you, but now you're even saying them about strangers or people you love so dearly and no that's not what I want anyone to take away from this it's recognizing that that is just a place for growth and it doesn't make you good or bad if you need to grow there but what it does do is it helps you to see what's holding you back and that that's a very normal experience to have when you're struggling with body image so if you notice that after listening to this I always tell people like Now you have a new set of lenses to view the world in. And so if you can put that set of lenses on the next time you're with friends or loved ones or whatever the case might be, even strangers, if you're out and about and just people watching, see if that's something that your eyes start to like gravitate toward, if that's where your brain starts to go and then be gentle with it and curious and kind and just see where that work, what needs to be done there. Yeah. That's so important not to be angry at yourself if you're struggling with these things and even the, um, you know, judgments maybe towards others because you're in that place of really thinking about that thing all the time. So it makes sense that you're, you know, looking for it too. Um, Yeah, totally, totally. And really having that compassion and being like, I see what I'm struggling with. And this is just showing me where maybe some things need a little TLC. Um, <laughs> not not being like, oh, I'm doing this again. Even if you're on this journey of healing already, like it's okay. It's not linear. We're not perfect. We're human. Um, but yeah, I, I love that and and what you shared there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And I think that like lends us well to something I I'm very excited to hear you share, (laughs) Um, but something I really wanted to ask you in terms of this and kind of like painted the picture of like, where would a not so great body image be? What would, you know, kind of would look like or feel like to have a more positive body image? And really, it's not really a better body actually, (laughs) right? But how do we like get there? So what would be, if we're talking like getting there, making that shift and, and 
making those things happen. Of course it happens over time. It's not an overnight type thing. Um, but what would be maybe three, however many you would like to share, but actionable tips, things people can do, things people could try, stuff you could share with people to help them overcome their body image struggles, maybe in the summertime, whenever. Um, but yeah, what would you say to that? I'm super curious to hear your thoughts. <laughs> I like need to hold myself to three because we could be here for three more hours. <laughs> we'll just have a really long episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Part series. Yeah. Um, so I would say the first thing, and this is one of the most uh, life-changing pieces for me in my own journey um, is to wear clothes that fit your current body. And so important in summertime, significant in summertime, and so important throughout the whole year. But in summertime, particularly, we have to remember that, like we've already stated, you're wearing less clothes, or hopefully you are, because it's hard to survive out in that heat. You're sweating more frequently. You're more uncomfortable because who likes humidity? And if you live in a place without humidity, mm. don't ever leave. That is something that I wish. I wish. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so you have sweat, you have humidity, you have discomfort, you have chafing, you have all of these things. And if you are on top of that, wearing clothes that are too tight, or too big. Sometimes that happens too. And if it's uncomfortable and it brings your awareness to that discomfort, then your mind is kind of forced to be thinking about and having all consuming thoughts about your body, even more than it might be if you were in clothes that did fit your body. So wearing clothes that currently fit and that has its own that's its own umbrella, which has lots and lots and lots of raindrops underneath. But in general, I would say start bringing your awareness to whether your clothes fit or not. And if they don't, gradually in whatever way makes sense for you financially, look for pieces that do start to fit and weed out the ones that don't. Uh, another really big one that so important for summer is to start practicing wearing clothes that reveal more skin in your home. Actually, I'm working with a client now who, for specific reasons, even that's uncomfortable, even that's not really a safe place for her. So we had to kind of take it down one more notch. So if if I say throughout your house and your house isn't your place where you feel safe, then find the place that does. So for her, it's her basement. Great. We're going to start in the basement. So for now, maybe that looks like uh, wearing pajamas that are uh, like spaghetti straps or tank tops or shorts, things that show more skin. Of course, if you're comfortable, if it's like freezing and you need more clothing than like <laughs> just as needed, but wearing clothes that expose more of your skin so that as you're walking in and out of the bathroom or past a mirror in your home and you catch a glimpse of yourself, there isn't that shock that we talked about at the beginning of the conversation of like, whoa, is that really what my arms look like? Is that really what my legs look like? You are, it's exposure therapy. You are seeing more frequently. And the more we expose ourselves to things that, that are uncomfortable, the more comfortable they become. 
then you gradually start to shift that practice into wearing something a little bit more revealing around the people you love the most, who you know are going to be supportive, even if you happen to be uncomfortable in that situation. And it gradually just increases as at your own pace as you go to being able to go out to dinner wearing a sleeveless dress or whatever the case might be. And I do tell people, you know, bring that safety blanket cardigan with you if you need it. It's okay to have it with you. And and knowing that it's there as an option can reduce a lot of stress and anxiety. The more and more you practice, eventually you stop grabbing the cardigan. Eventually you stop even reaching for it. So it is a practice that takes time. And if that means this summer, it's not uh, you don't get to the part of the journey where you're able to go out yet, that's okay. Practicing now is going to prepare you. We're always going to have summers. They're always going to come back again. So starting as soon as possible, if that fits for you, is important. The third one that I think is super important, and again, this also relates to all year round, but you were talking about more events and activities happening in the summertime. So this is more cognitive, like such a mental shift of when you are getting ready for an event, let's say it's a wedding. If you're anything like me in the journey of trying to heal your relationship with your body and you're trying to prepare for an event where you're seeing a lot of people and you know there's going to be a lot of photos, you might try on five to 10 different outfits. And I think it's a range wherever you are in that journey uh, can increase or decrease the number of things that you're trying on and the distress that it might cause. If you can shift your perspective to what the event is actually for versus your appearance in being at that event, it can do so much for taking away the pressure and the obligation that we happen to place on our appearance to begin with. So if it is a wedding, I've had to like physically pause myself and slow myself down and say, what is the reason you're going? What is the, like, what are you even getting dressed for? You're getting dressed to celebrate the marriage of two people that you absolutely adore and what an honor it is that you are invited and you get to be there and you get to witness this. That's a magical thing. And suddenly, and it's not every time, sometimes you need a little bit more than that, but sometimes that in and of itself can kind of wash away the anxiety of feeling this need to like look perfect or look a certain way where you can just be present instead of being all consumed by whatever it is that you're wearing. Yeah. Wow. I like that shift. I love, love the mindset shifts. And I think that's a really powerful one. Like if it's a, it's some kind of event or thing you're going to, and that's feeling like a lot and you're really focused on that, you know, what your body looks like to shift, like, what's the purpose of this thing? <laughs> Is it, you know, for me to even like, just have fun, be present with people, like, you know, lots of great things. And I think that wedding example is a, is a good one. So yeah, I love that. And I love your other two tips as well. I think the wearing the clothes that fit your body currently, like your here and now body, such a game changer, because how could you 
not think about your body when you're being squeezed and feeling so uncomfortable all the time, all day long. And, um, the, I like the tip of like the exposure therapy, but doing it gradually with wearing less clothes in the house. Um, maybe like that, you know, example you were sharing, maybe you start in the basement and you work your way up to like more of the house and like continually doing like those little steps, um, as you're feeling ready for it and you can't, um, what was it that you said? Something like we have to, you know, expose ourselves to things that are uncomfortable to then get comfortable with them. I think that's like the hardest part of like, we don't want to be in the discomfort though. Like as humans, we're just like, nah, I don't want to feel uncomfortable. Like don't go there. I have some quote that I'll probably misquote uh, about how like growth can't happen uh, in comfort. So it, yes. it is very much like we're also taught in this in this concept of diet culture and appearance and beauty standards that like there are these quick fixes if you just buy this product or you just start this program. And so, yeah, it's so normal to have this idea that like, oh man, this is going to take time and this is going <laughs> to be a process and it's going to have effort and I'm going to have to keep showing up. What I always share is like, yes, and it's okay to take breaks. Mm -hmm. And if you're on that journey and you're putting in any of these practices and I don't know, Wednesday was just a crappy day at work. It's okay to take Wednesday night off. Like it's okay to be like, you know what? No, tonight I'm actually going to cover my arms when I go to bed, Like that's fine. Go at your own pace and know that it's going to take time to actually get somewhere where you see progress. Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. And I think the quick fix idea is so ingrained into us that we just want to fix something like immediately. And unfortunately the lasting deeper work that sets us free, if you will, for lack of a better word, takes time. It does. It takes time. It takes, you know, going through the motions and everything else and taking breaks. I think that's something that's so important with this work and um, whether it's with your relationship with body, relationship with food or or whatever you're working on, like it can feel hard sometimes and to just, you know, let that be and say, you know what, I'm going to just forget about that and I'm going to live my life in whatever way feels good right now. And spending time just living life and and being in whatever joy, satisfaction, whatever you find want to find in that moment that has nothing to do with the work. Yes. Great. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just yeah. knowing you have the permission to do so. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, when you start this kind of journey, you're coming from a very rigid mindset, a very rule-based world of do this, do that, no rest days. And it can be hard to live in a way that's like, oh, I'm allowed. What? That, that's not what the rule said. Like, you told me that I have to practice this. Yeah, when it feels right for you, and sometimes mm-hmm. when it doesn't. But if if pushing past that is too uncomfortable, it's more important to be comfortable than you know push yourself too much outside of discomfort where it becomes distressing. So it's also being intuitive about what breaks mean for you and how frequently you're able to take them, which having the permission to take them whenever is so liberating. And for Mm. a lot of people can be so terrifying too. 
Yeah, that is such a good point. And I think such a big one that comes up in like with my clients too, in, in the sense that like this trying to be intuitive feels very not intuitive because so used to the rigid all or nothing tell me exactly what to do and that will get me to the xyz place right and it just like you living with you and in the flow with yourself and your mind and your body and everything else like isn't that those are someone else's rules they don't even they weren't even made for you right mm-hmm. And we're all unique and we have to learn how to listen to that inner voice being like, okay, slow down. Like I've had enough, please (laughs) take a break. (laughs) Or maybe the inner voice is like, all right, I'm like, I'm, you know, a little uneasy, but kind of ready to like take this next step and do this thing. So yeah, listening to that inner voice. I love that you mentioned that because that one is huge, like escaping diet culture. If we want to sum it up as that moving into a place of, um, feeling more at peace with ourselves and our bodies and food takes, you know, being okay with not having the rigid rules. And that's a whole thing in itself that feels foreign too. Yes. I like (laughs) exactly. It, you worded that so beautifully. There's nothing I could possibly. That was <laughs> like, <so> yep. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's the one. I, yeah, I, it, it still blows my mind every time I have these like conversations and think about it. I'm like, wow. Cause I think back to my past self as well. And I like w- would have never looked at it like this and had these thoughts cross my mind. Like especially when you're told you're doing everything right to be like punishing your body and like forcing it into all these different things. That's like the good, good thing to do. And I say that in air quotes, (laughs) obviously if you're listening, you can't see me doing the air quotes. Um, but really it's just like, so not, and it's going against your body. And I think you said that on the top two, like becoming friends with your body instead of enemies with it. And I think that's a beautiful way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> that's amazing. Is there anything else that you would like to share any wise words about body image or any other pieces that we didn't cover that you want to share with the listeners before we wrap up? Um, I think exposure is so helpful in touching on all of these things. So Mm -hmm. if, if maybe like, you know, only exposing yourself to your own body, isn't really quite doing it for you remembering that body uh, diversity exists and Mm. you don't have, you know, we don't have control over what billboards are the ones we drive by. We don't have control over what's on the media, but we do have control over to an extent what's on our feed in our social media. So if you can expose yourself to as many different shapes, sizes, colors as humanly possible seeing that more frequently can remind you that you belong on that diverse spectrum. And so it becomes more easy, again, with the time and the work and the effort to accept that you belong and that you can be seen and that you can see yourself. So 
there is a lot of self-work. There's a lot of things to do internally, but if you need to also add that external piece of what it is you're exposed to in other people, that can be such a tangible piece that yeah. helps. I, I love that. That's, that's a really great one. It's almost like showing your mind more possibilities because yeah. sometimes I know like in my own experience too, when I was very in the disordered eating, you know, very negative body image space, I would back then I was on Pinterest looking at inspo and like Tumblr, even like all those things, right? I'm like, um, do we even know what Tumblr is anymore? But anyways, you know, looking at all that and it was all like, super thin toned, whatever this ideal that everyone puts on a pedestal did not include any body diversity whatsoever. And I think that, you know, just showing your brain that something else is possible, something else exists and we don't all need to look like whatever the models look like. And I love that society is starting to, if it needs a lot of work still, but starting to shift and sprinkle in more diversity into things. Incredible. There's a sprinkle. We need more, but <laughs> there's a sprinkle coming. It's better than it was. Um, yeah, better than it was. That's for sure. Lots of work to do. I think that body diversity piece is so important, like showing our brains there are diverse bodies and we are meant to have diverse bodies. Um, and I think that just brings up the another quote again I love like you said too like sharing a quote that comes to your mind but you're like I don't know if I'm quite getting it right but like this is the gist um <laughs> the idea of that thing that we've heard before of if we all ate the same and moved the same way our bodies would still be different right like, what a beautiful thing yeah the case yeah what would it be if we all looked the same yeah totally Totally. Totally. And, um, I don't know, Jess, if you're familiar, I'm sure you've seen it before the poodle science, um, stuff. Yeah. How like dogs, like if you think about dogs, they're all very different. They're very diverse and you wouldn't expect like a big German shepherd to become this little toy poodle because that's not what their body (laughs) is. They can't, they can't treat themselves like that. So yeah, no, not yeah. at all. There's no no good or better. It's just like they're all and we accept the diversity of dogs as a species. Like, why can't we do that for humans? It's so sad when you think about that. And it's like such a beautiful illustration mm-hmm. that like it's upsetting that that's such a foreign concept that so many people struggle with yeah. transferring onto humans. Like, oh, but no, I, those are dogs. and. The, uh, it's so frustrating, right? but yeah. yes, but thankfully there are folks like you in this world who's shifting that too. And, you know, allowing people to see something different for themselves and live a fuller life without these types of struggles taking over. So I appreciate you. I appreciate this conversation. It's been such a joy to talk about this. And I hope um, whoever's listening has lots to take away. I'm sure <laughs> that they do. Um, but this has been so wonderful. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And before I let you go, I do always ask some wrap up questions. So I have my wrap up questions for you. Some fun ones to start. Yes. <laughs> the first, well, I know we were talking about 
kind of being intuitive and, and such. And this is the Intuitively You podcast. So I would love to know, Jess, how do you practice living intuitively in your life? The short and sweet answer to this for me is letting go of people-pleasing tendencies, mm, yeah. which is in and of itself another journey mm-hmm. that I am walking on. And it is easier some days than others, but being able to rely on what I need, what my body wants, what's good for me, what's comfortable for me versus relying on external validation mm-hmm. or the rules and rigidity of an app or a meal plan or whatever the case might be, recognizing that I'm allowed to listen to whatever my body wants and whatever I need as a human. And that just gives me so much more confidence to be my own person and to do things that feel right in the moment rather than trying to live by someone else's rules. Uh, I love that the like not you don't have to follow any rules because you're your own person you're unique and like the people pleasing thing too, letting go of that um it makes me think of I was listening to a other podcast recently about like self-abandonment and how like the people pleasing area that we like to live in and always being taking care of someone else's needs and, and putting our needs behind or like telling ourselves we don't deserve our needs or whatever, like all these self-abandonment things. So that made me think of that. Um, It's a very interesting topic to dive into as well. I like that term too. It is very much self-abandonment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But I love that you're coming to yourself. (laughs) You're not abandoning yourself. Yes. Quite the opposite. It's a good, good practice for sure. Um, my other fun question for you is if you were a food based on your personality, (laughs) what food would you be? (laughs) This is by far the hardest question you've asked. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I think representing my personal favorite food, potatoes. Ooh, yeah. For multiple reasons. So one, I can be a great couch potato. I love relaxing. Love it. Another reason being that I I can also be really versatile. Mm -hmm. Um, I have all different kinds of interests and different friends and different friend groups. So like the potato, I can be uh, fried. I can be baked. I can be mashed. I can be (laughs) sweet. You name it. Um, And then the last reason why is... I, I describe myself as an extroverted introvert. So mm-hmm. I think like a potato, bear with me here. I could be both the life of the party, like a fry bar where my, so my last name is fry. And at my wedding, uh, my husband and I had a fry bar with all different kinds of fries. It was peak. That's amazing. <laughs> So I feel like I can be the life of the party when needed. And I am also very introverted. So also like a potato, I could be like, you know, the potato salad at your neighbor's cookout where it's like, it's there. Is it the main character? No, but like, it's going to show up and it's always (laughs) going to be reliable. It's there. Yeah. (laughs) 
I absolutely love your descriptions of this and the depth that you took this <laughs> potato personality. I love potatoes. I don't know if it's obvious. <laughs> I, we can tell. <laughs> I love potatoes as well in all their forms, all their forms. And I love this. I love the like, you know, versatility, the different interests, the like, you know, being in different situations, introverted, extrovert. It's great. <laughs> That's so good. And also fitting, like you said, with the last name. <laughs> yeah, <And> perfect. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Jess. And last thing before I do let you go is how would you like the listeners to connect with you? Is there anything that you would like to share there or where can we you know, point them towards? Yeah. So I'm both on Instagram and TikTok at the same handle, which is Embody Confidence Coaching. My website is letsembodyconfidence.com. That has all the ways you can work with me. It has all my resources. It has other podcasts that I've been on, other things that you can learn more. Um, I'm currently accepting new one-on-one clients. So if that's any capacity, something that fits for you, definitely look at that website to learn more information and reach out and let me know maybe something else that you need. And I'd be happy to to chat and figure out what's best for you. That's amazing. I love that. Yep. The social medias, the website to find all the things, all the resources, how to work, how to work with Jess, um, other, other areas that you've chatted on. I love it. I will link all of those things in the show notes so that they're easy for everyone to go to. Um, but yeah, thanks again, Jess. This has been a wonderful conversation and I've had the pleasure to, you know, work with you in my own space and my own business and coming into my groups too, as a guest expert. So this has been fun to bring this over to the podcast and share with the listeners here. So thank you. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Of course. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Thanks so much for listening to the Intuitively You podcast. You can find the show notes from today's episode along with all the takeaways at theintuitivenutritionist.com slash podcast. Let's connect on Instagram. You can find me at the.intuitive.nutritionist. Be sure to share and tag me when you're listening along. And if you're loving the podcast, I would be so honored for you to go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button and leave a review. I'm so happy you're here and learning how to better your relationship with food, your body, and yourself. Until next time, keep on living intuitively you.